Hello, hello, and welcome to Temple of the Falls Pod, where our decks are not optimized, but our plays sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. Hi, I'm Bruce. And uh, <clears throat> I've been I've been sitting here thinking about uh, all the things you do on your turn and other people's turns, and how complicated this game can be. And sometimes you're sitting there with like some really cool cards in your hand and you're just so excited to play them and you play them out and somebody counters it or you play them out and somebody wipes the board or even on the other side you've got counters in hand you've got removal in hand and you just never like you've got so many possibilities of when to play any given card when do you know is the right time and I was like you know what let's stop thinking about this and make it an episode I was like, let's just start recording. We're going to use up all our good, fresh energy. But hey, I'm glad to be here. I'm glad you're here. I'm glad we're recording on these comfortable couch chairs. You bet. Andy's on a recliner. He doesn't even know it. What? I can't push it back. You can. You believe in me? Hopefully I won't. Oh my god. Oh. Here I am with my feet up on the the table. And little did I know... That I could have have my feet up on the chair. For those who are wondering, we're hanging out in my we're hanging out in my oh, living room. Just uh, was great, you know. Still got my feet thing. on the table. Uh, All right. So when to when to play your cards? Yeah. So I, I was originally thinking of it from like the big play perspective. Like, you know, you've got enough mana to play your commander, and you know, a couple win cons or whatever. Like your win con into like a big play or something. But you know that like you need you need another turn because you don't have a haste enabler or something. These are scenarios. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and you know that if you give everybody a turn, somebody, the chances are, is either going to have or find a board wipe or some way to take care of the thing you just did. Undo what you just did. So... I'm like, all right, then you don't want to do that. And then I'm like, oh my God, there, there's so many times in this game where I end up with these looping discussions with myself in my head of like, all right, do this. Wait, no, hold on a second. Do I want to do this right now? And generally my takeaway is like, just don't think about it. Just do it and get it over with. Like lure out that counter, lure out that, you know, removal. But also at the same time, like that, <clears throat> sucks to have the like to have your you big play ruined right and for you don't necessarily the downside the downside of a multiplayer game mm-hmm. is if i mean if you're playing one-on-one then yeah play out the card force them to have it right you know do they have it and make them play it so it's like here's the threat the threat's coming at you can you stop it that's easy one-on-one because the idea is you've now drawn out their counter, great. Now you have another another spell to play, and you determine your order of spells with the expectation that the first one's going to get countered. So you're not going to put your best stuff right out there, but you're going to put you know something that's threatening that they want to counter. Great. In multiplayer, you put it out there. Well, now there's three people mm-hmm. who all have their opportunity, who can all take their shot at stopping what you're doing. Admittedly, there are that many more threats on the board, so so there's a balance there. But it always feels like you're 
uh, you're running into something. And if you're always the one who says, I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to draw out the counter. Okay, great. Then your spell gets countered, but the next guy's doesn't. Don't you want to wait and let the next guy get his spell countered and then play yours? Mm. It is, it, it gets, it gets a little tricky and yeah. it also leads into, into a kind of play style that I don't really want to encourage in my group right where everybody just holds the cards holds 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 constantly waiting for somebody else to do something so then they feel like then now now i have my opening i could do something so you're always waiting and i don't want that yeah i i I like that your the way that you like to play i like that the way you want to encourage play uh involves not uh, not thinking too hard about who's got the counter just do the play if they've got the counter they've got it but also like because like that's how i i I instinctively play anyway um but also at the same time like if you're overthinking it then i mean all they have to do is have a card in hand and two mana up like then you're never gonna play anything right um and that's one of three people (laughs) And they're going to learn that fast. And then all they have to do is have a card in hand and two mana open. Um, right. I mean, the general rule of thumb mm-hmm. for when to play your cards is as late as possible. Right. You always want to wait till the last second. This is just, and this is a very, obviously, a ton of exceptions to this rule. But generally speaking, you want to hold off for as long as you can. So if you're playing a creature, especially one that doesn't have haste, you want to play it on your second main phase because not playing it on your first means you're holding a card in hand that your opponent doesn't know what it is and you have mana up. So they have to be thinking about what kind of a combat trick you might have. Right. They have to be thinking about, you know, how they want to respond, how they want to block. And you have this air of, you don't know what I have. So you have to, you have to consider that. Whereas if you'd played that creature before combat, well, Maybe net, maybe then you would have well you're gonna have one less card in hand, and you may only have one or two mana up. Mm. So suddenly the options for what you could have are dramatically reduced. Yeah. So and it's... their options are 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 more. So like if if they've got you know removal in hand and you play your creature out first main phase, then they've got options. They can get rid of the creature you just put down, or if the creature that you're going to attack with is a bigger threat, then they can get rid of that. And like, it's a, their choice at that point. You're right. give, like, otherwise, like you go to combat, you attack with the thing you're going to attack anyway. Uh, and then they have to decide right then if they want to take the damage and whatever <clears throat> effects go along with it or kill the thing, risking that whatever you play second main phase or if you have a combat trick, or uh, yeah, sa- and saving the thing, the killing the thing, right, is is huge. When your opponents are looking at the board and attempting to determine the th- making their threat assessment of the board, mm-hmm. that threat assessment dramatically changes when you attack them with a creature, because that creature is now a direct threat. It's going to do X damage unless they do something. It's amazing how many players will burn their removal on that creature when if they just stopped and thought about it for a second, 
they should they would be more concerned about what you're going to play next. Mm. The creature that's hitting them, like there, you swung in with a four four that had an enter the battlefield trigger. Mm-hmm. So it's doing four damage. It's significant. It's something that they're seriously considering, and they're looking at paying removal for. But realistically, in the overall game, if you're playing a lot of creatures, a 4-4 with an enter the battlefield trigger, well, the enter the battlefield trigger has already happened. At this point, it's just a 4-4. That's what you're destroying. Is that going to be? Is that really worth it for them? When it's coming at them, suddenly the threat assessment goes off, and they say, yes, that is important. You've just drawn out that that removal spell while holding your creature that you know that they want it, that they would use the removal spell on. It's, it's just, you know, it's one more way, one more reason why holding the card till the last possible moment. seems yeah. a Big benefit. Yeah. And I mean, obviously with uh, taking that further, if the creature has say flash, obviously yeah. doing it on player four's turn, whoever is to the right of you, um, especially during or before their end step uh, kind of prevents it from any of the possible board wipes that could have happened through. And I mean like this, I mean we can get into the minutia of all the possibilities that can happen when you play creatures Mm -hmm. earlier than you should have. The nice part about a a creature with flash and playing Mm -hmm. it at the end of your opponent's turn you've left your mana up the whole time. Mm. And generally speaking, if you've left that much mana open that you can play, say, a five-mana creature, mm-hmm. then everybody there is expecting that you have something, that you're planning on playing it. Mm. Especially if you're not, especially if you have a reasonable poker face. Now, you know, if you've got five mana up and you flip the cards on the t- onto the table and just say, go, um, there's a good chance maybe you're demonstrating pretty clearly that you just don't have anything. I feel attacked, Bruce. I feel like you're ta- <laughs> you're talking about me and I'm right here as if you're talking about me like I'm not even in the room. Uh, say okay, so say say for example, just just any person. But let's just call him Andy. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um, but it just you leave that open yeah. and you're always leaving that question. So now they're thinking, okay, do I attack him? Is, is it a flash creature that he has or does he have a counter spell <clears throat> or removal? Does he have removal yeah. or whatever? They don't know and they won't know until it's too late for them to do anything about it. Right. Um, because you've held that card up representing it as anything and you've held the mana up saying I could even play it. Yeah. And then you play it out. So the best move there was to play it late. The other nice part is <clears throat> maybe you are getting attacked. In which case, waiting until your opponent's end step is ridiculous. Right. Especially if you're planning to use it to block. It's right. Like, and obviously, changed combat. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, like, obviously, there's situations. Yeah. Like, you're, you're reading, when is the last possible second to play this? And if you're holding it up to block with your flash creature, then, yeah, you're going to yeah. do it after attacks are declared. Right. And kind of along the same lines, like, like you're saying. Your opponents see that you're holding up X mana. Yeah. Whatever it is. You can use it for a counter. You can use it for removal. You can use it for a blocker. Maybe you have something on the board already that right. has an activation cost. And you're holding it up for that. 
and now you have that choice of bluffing having something in hand or you know you really have something in hand and people are like oh he's just gonna use Karn's Bastion to proliferate that's all he's doing but he's just bluffing and then you know you're really weeding out either people attacking you like maybe maybe it is representative of a threat against whatever they attack you with so now they're not going to attack you and all because you didn't play that creature right. on your turn. Um, and obviously there are examples of why you would play it on your turn, even though it has flash, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But, I mean, this is a general statement about flash creatures. Right. Uh, there was something else I was going to say. I forgot what it was. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, whether it's creatures or any sort of big play, you are immediately... With big plays, you're immediately painting a target on yourself. Whether, no matter how big it is, you're you're doing it um, with the intent to further your game at the cost of others. And so people are going to react negatively by attacking you, by removing your stuff, whatever. And so having the right moment is always a tricky thing to find when doing the big things because you don't want to be hosed. Right. So it's like, you know, you want to find the right moment to play, I don't know, ruinous ultimatum where you've got this sweet spot of like other people's permanence on board and you can get in for whatever. You don't want to just play your board wipe just to, elongate the game because then people are just going to kill you because you just did that so that you survived and like i don't know it's it's always a it's always a tough call to figure out like the right but whether it's with something with flash instant speed whatever um it does open your horizons a little of when you can do that uh but there is still like an ideal time um and even if it gets back to just before your turn, maybe playing that flash creature isn't ideal now. Like maybe I I found myself in plenty of spots where I'm like, I could play this right before my turn starts, but I know that like give it two more turns, you know? Right. My the big the big issue with that mm-hmm. becomes you didn't use your mana. Yeah. So you have to balance holding the card longer, which is, you know, as we say, in the, you know, with, with everything else unknown, it's better to hold to, to hold off for as long as you can. Mm-hmm. And that could mean into another turn. But do keep in mind that every turn you hold up the mana and don't mm-hmm. use it is a turn when you threw away that mana. Um, and more and more we're finding that games are won by the people who tap out who play all of their mana effectively as much as possible because you're ca- in the end you're casting more spells at a high at generally a higher cost which means you should be getting more bang for your yeah for your cost if that's the case <clears throat> then you don't want to spend too many turns holding up mana threatening something and then never actually casting it so keep in mind 
there is a there the, there is a cost to just not doing anything. Um, you know, you are burning that mana. So if you've got another card in hand that you're not playing because you want to be able to play this one and you're holding it, how many turns are you holding it for? Because that five mana creature, you hold it for three turns and don't play anything. It loosely it costs you fifteen mana. Right, and I think with that so. too, like I mean, it's very much you know the classic uh, inventory optimizer Resident yes. Evil. Um, you know, in Resident Evil, you've got not only a number of slots, but you've got like shapes of your items, and you want to figure out how it fits nicely into, in this case, your mana. You've right. got fifteen mana on board. You've tapped 10 of it. You've got five up for the next round. If you've got ways on board to sink that mana in, great. You know, Helix Pinnacle is the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. Uh, but even things where you put in mana, get card draw. Uh, you hold it up uh, in case you need to do the counter or the flash creature. Uh, and if you don't do it, then you're not wasting that mana. Uh, sure. Um, you're not wasting that mana, you're just uh, using it differently than you would have. Um, and I don't I don't want to get too into counters and uh, removal just yet. Maybe after the break, uh, we can we can talk about interaction and when to use that. But like with respect to like big plays, a lot of, the balance of using your mana and uh, essentially making your cards cost more is um, something people take for granted. And I think that, like, I'm one of those people who would rather sit on something until I know it's safe, but I also know that that, in turn, is slowing the game down. Right. Um, if everybody just waits until the coast is clear, either they're going to lose or... They're just wasting everybody's time. Right. Um, Something else to, to look at as far as <clears throat> encouraging you to play your creatures a little faster. Mm -hmm. um, just the volume. If everybody... Like this? <clears throat> not quite. If everybody has two creatures on the board mm -hmm. and you play a third, now everybody has to assume that if you attack with all three, they have to take damage. So... What ends up happening is a lot of players will then play that third card. So you're encouraging them to play out the cards. Now, sometimes you're doing this in an effort to try and draw people into playing out more cards because you've got you've got the wrath or you've got a board wipe in hand and you want to make it more effective. Mm -hmm. Other times it's uh, you're just looking to outnumber them. Right. You want to get ahead. So you can you know so that's another that's an option to consider when you're looking at when to play the creature. Um, the other time is when you've got five creatures on the board, nobody else has more than two. Do you really need to play that sixth? Right. Cause then you're starting to walk right into, into that wrath or into that board wipe or that cyclonic rift that you just can't stand. Um, you're, you're creating a situation where you're forcing them to do it and you're the one who's going to take the major hit. Yeah, and I think that that's why I've never found like a token deck that has worked for me is because when I see the big play, I just want to do it. I just want to do it so bad, and I make like twenty tokens, and then I pass to the next person, and they're just like, nope, 
Because, I mean, that's what everybody's looking for in a game of Magic is the most return on investment <clears throat> on their value. cards. Yeah, value. Of like, oh, like, oh my god, my, my Wrath of God took out 30 creatures. Granted, 25 of them were Andes, but like, that's a big play. Like, getting mm-hmm. rid of all of the tokens I just made is like devastating to me. And what I what I find frustrating, and maybe this is a topic for another episode, so maybe I'll write it down. Hey, editing Andy, write this down. But like, you know, say I make 25 tokens. Uh, maybe they're just one ones, but it's like a big enough presence that like people take notice. They get wrath the next turn, and I'm shit out of luck. But the thing that I've noticed is that once you make a big play, people are on to you. Making a big play and then having it go south, uh, people will still stay on you until they see another target, or they'll just stay on you till you're dead. Well, and, and you just hit on the next the next reason why you really want to hold off, mm-hmm. <clears throat> or the best time to play your spell. You play your spell in response to somebody else. It's like, oh my goodness, we got to stop that guy. Clunk, here comes my big creature. <laughs> no, no, my big creature is just there to stop him. Right. You don't have to worry about taking out my creature. That creature's the threat. We all saw it. It was the threat, right? <laughs> now mine is the bigger creature. It's probably should be the threat to all of you. But I'm just playing this to stop his big creature. Yeah. His creature's the threat. And it's amazing how well that works. Yeah, I mean, I think that's like the thing that I have such a hard time with, with, with again, with token strategies is like, I want, it's like the, the turnaround on doing the big play to winning is so short, or it like the possibility is so short, like, mm-hmm. because otherwise, people will catch on and, and you're out of luck. Um, and it's, it's all about timing, where like, making that buttload of tokens to then attack with it either has to be a little oppressive from the start where right. like people can't get underneath it to to dismantle it immediately or it just crumbles uh quickly um so like holding that march of multitudes uh until you know your second to last play is is key uh, because doing the big play sometimes tattoos a target onto you. Yeah. Um, and that's not necessarily a fault of bad playing on their part. They saw that you can be a threat out of nowhere, and they don't want to let that happen again, even if you know that they just dismantled your whole deck. Part of the key there is when you're going for it, mm-hmm. is make it happen fast. Um, I went through this with Buzzbark. Buzzbark is another deck that sp- that spends a lot of time getting the big play set up, and then has to wait a turn until all the creatures can attack, and that just wasn't working. So mm-hmm. now there's a lot of ways to give all of my creatures haste, so that way when I play out those eight token creatures. And then immediately follow it up with Buzzbark or, you know, whatever combination. I can attack immediately. So I know that I can at least get one swing in. 
And a lot of times, just getting that swing, you point it in the right direction, and swing. suddenly the person who was going to counter it doesn't feel like, or counter it, or or destroy it, doesn't mm-hmm. feel the need to do that because, oh, he's going over there. So I've minimized the, you know, the number of official, the number of opponents who actually want it gone. So. Yeah. <clears throat> um, speaking of opponents who want it gone, sometimes you're that player. Uh, sometimes you're like, you've got a murder in hand or you've got route. Me? Sometimes you've got route and eight mana open. Is that what route at instant speed is? No. Seven? Seven. Five and two? Yeah. Um, sometimes you've got that route open and sometimes you don't want to play it. Uh, we'll talk about when to hold and when to play your your interaction after we get back from this break. Let's throw it over to our sponsors. This episode of Temple of the False Pod is brought to you by Kenny Rogers. <laughs> because nobody knows when to hold them and when to fold them quite like Kenny. Wow. Uh, is is he the same as Kenny G? No, no. I do have a hankering for some fried chicken, though. Kenny Rogers has a fried chicken chain. Huh, didn't know that. There we go. Okay. Uh, obviously, this episode we're talking about uh, holding cards, not just playing everything you can all of the time at any given moment um patience i guess um but also uh not wasting the moment um because i the the reason i thought about this was because so often when playing commander it's so easy to counter the commander and we've talked about this before on the show where it's like that's it's kind of crappy uh, especially, you know, we've got now cards that you know for a fact in the the card making room. What in in R and D, uh, they they have made cards in the past couple of years that, like, even though they're standard legal cards that do something with any standard set. Um, have also been thought of in with regards to commander say Dranith magistrate you can't uh, players can't play or your opponents can't play things uh from not their hand something like mm-hmm. that so nobody can play their commander except for you uh wash up i think it's called wash up or wash away it's a single blue counter spell uh if it targets a spell cast from not their hand uh, or it has cleave for I think it's uh, cancel. Uh, it's it's two and a blue, or one. Yeah, it's and wash two blue. away. Uh, wash away. Great. Yeah, counter target spell that wasn't cast from its owner's hand. Or right. Player. You yeah. can for for a single blue mana you can counter somebody's commander, yeah. which I. I'm gonna take a moment to just be frustrated with this concept where people think it's ideal to do this which yeah sometimes it is but when it's at any given opportunity that they've got the mana up then it's like just 
let me let me have my commander. Just, just <laughs> that's counter literally anything else. Just <clears throat> like if the deck is built in so that it is unique to the commander. Let the commander happen. I don't know. Like, there's obviously certain times that I wouldn't even consider not countering the commander. But, like, if I had the, the counter, obviously. But uh, I feel like, as a general rule, like, it's just so frustrating to, like, it ruins the game of commander. I don't know. This is just me on my soapbox. Let me get down. Um, so the last half of the show, I just kind of wanted to talk about holding counters, holding removal. Like I said earlier, like route. Yeah. You know, you can play route for two extra mana at instant speed. Um, but I really like touching on the ideas that you brought up earlier in the episode of like what if somebody's not coming after you what if somebody plays something big and your first instinct is to counter it but they're you know they're not willing to share this information with you necessarily of oh i'm not going to go after you bruce with it at least not right now so please don't kill it um the difficulty and the idea is you want to hang on to hang on to your cards and hang on to your spells for as long as possible. Mm-hmm. That's the general theme. Yeah. This is why I'm not a big fan of counter spells in Commander. Do right. I want to counter the spell or do I want to just get rid of the card? Now, obviously, if it's an instant or so, I mean, counter spells counter everything. Right. Everything, any spell that's getting played. And removal, generally you have to target it or you have to target a permanent. Maybe the spell's not even a permanent. So I get why people play counter spells because you can deal with everything. The difficulty is when you're running the counter spell, <clears throat> yeah, the window you have so to small. use it when the card's being played. And it may not be coming at you, but you don't know. Right. You don't know. So you have to then decide am i doing this now which means not only that you also have to make sure that that mana is always available right i talked about keeping five open for a flash creature and having to do it for turn after turn when you're running a counter spell you need to keep that mana open for many turns because you're not necessarily going to counter something in that first round Mm -hmm. in fact you probably shouldn't be countering something in that first round because maybe the ne- the worst thing is going to come up later. And if yeah. you're sitting on one counter, you yeah. don't want to burn it on something that was useless. Right. So it really, really, you, you, you really have to know. Yeah, what are the chances that you pulled the counter spell off the top of your library at the exact moment that you needed it? Like, that's, that's kind of what you have to think about right. in the next round that you, after you drew it. Right. And like, sure, maybe you're running, running, running enough counter spells that like maybe ultimately it doesn't matter. But like, you're also interfering with other people's play strategies, and you're you're interfering with <clears throat> the ultimate benefit of the table of like, all right, like, well, is yeah. this 
actually a threat or is this just a big thing that I could like it is a thing that I can counter it is it a thing that I should counter well then this is the problem like looking at say okay just to be basic looking at a creature mm. my Andy plays a creature I have the counter spell do I play the counter well is the creature a threat to me at this point I don't know maybe it's going to come at me maybe it'll come at me later the difficulty with the counter spell is that by playing it, you're also saving your other opponents, the other two players, how much damage. Right. That's a creature they could have lost if they had to block, or life totals that they could have lost if you hadn't played the counter. <clears throat> this is why I prefer the removal spell so much more. Um, the ability to uh, have, uh, you can keep your removal up, and just use it when they attack you. Again, that removal spell gets to wait until the last second. The counter spell can't wait any longer. It has to be used when the person is playing the spell. The removal spell doesn't. It can wait until that person's attacking you, and then you can use it. Yeah. So it becomes a case of, you know, which card do you prefer? So I tend to prefer removal over counter spells. But yes, I mean, that leaves me vulnerable to instants and sorceries. Yeah, and I mean, like, I think that, like, a good... A, I think one of my favorite cards that... Uh, when did this come out? Okay, that's come out in the past couple of years uh, was from Corset 2020, um, which, like, balances nicely that need for counters but also need for removal, where it's like, all right, like, I've got a small window where I can counter something, or, you know, especially in multiplayer, if I can wait, and have it do damage to other people, like you were mm. saying. Maybe I can get rid of it later. Is Aether Gust. Uh, for one and a blue, it's an instant. Uh, it says, choose target spell or permanent. That's red or green, which is a lot of them. Obviously, it doesn't mm -hmm. cover all your bases, but its owner puts it on the top or bottom of their library. Um, so, like, um, you know, this is a 25 cent uncommon. Uh, and. Uh, the I mean, sure, the owner of the spell or permanent gets to choose if it goes on the top or the bottom, but like, you know, it may be the delay that you need, but you can also like it. It can either interact with something on the stack or interact with something that's already on the battlefield. Yeah, um, I mean, in that case, you're talking about essentially either either you're getting a bounce spell. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> that prevents them from drawing a card or you're getting a removal spell right it's one or the other because i mean if it goes on the top of their library they're going to draw that card again it means they didn't draw anything else mm. so they they don't they in effect don't get a draw or they can put it on the bottom of their library meaning they're never going to see it again unless you're playing grenzo unless you're playing grenzo <laughs> but they're never going to see it again and they get to draw their cards so yeah. but they get to choose well i mean that's a that's a lousy choice to have to make. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I just you know you want you're wanting to hold. Um, I'm trying to think of times when you don't. Um, like I said, with the counter spell, you have to have it at that moment. It has right. to be there at that moment. Um, there are other times when you when you might want to play it early, but um, those are you know that that becomes conditional plays like what's happening with your board state is the person you know if you've got removal 
are they attacking somebody else, but that other person is an ally or has something that you don't want to see gone? You know, they're right. going to block with a creature and you're thinking, no, no, I want that creature to swing at him. Right. Or so like uh, something like, uh, shoot, you know, there are so many creatures nowadays that are like, when it deals combat damage, yeah. X. Like, even if it's not coming at you, it's a great time to use your removal. Mm-hmm. Um, or, you know, you can counter it before it gets to the battlefield. But um, that's another great example of, mm-hmm. like, needing to do it in the moment. Of, right. like, uh, not even consider... Like, I mean, obviously you should consider the other possibilities that they're just baiting out your counter. Mm-hmm. Um we were playing a game <laughs> where you were playing your Krond deck. Uh, it yeah. was a two-headed giant game. And uh, it was clear that your team was going to attack my team. And you played oh, yes. out you played out Krond. About. Yep. And my teammate had a counter spell. Yeah. And he was like, should I counter it? I was like, no. Wait for the enchantment. Because even if Krond, you know attacks at some point he could be they could be attacking the other team but also like sure when it attacks us it only matters i mean sure it's six points but is it a six six yeah sure it's only six points but unless he's enchanted it's only six points right if he's enchanted and then he attacks then you know there's bigger costs to pay but otherwise, it just just let them have the six six. Well, and even there, like this is another example. Mm-hmm. Um, <clears throat> I remember that game, <laughs> and I intentionally played. I played Krond, and then I played. I played. I put an enchantment on Krond. I put an aura on Krond, and it was some minor aura that really didn't do anything mm-hmm. other than activate Krond's ability to remove a permanent. And it didn't it didn't it did, wouldn't change the outcome of the game because this game was going to end before any of this could could play a a, a pivotal role mm-hmm. it wasn't going to affect the outcome so nobody played so nobody countered anything and i did this solely to draw out a counter in the hopes that someone would play the counter because i knew the next card i was going to play was the one that could change the change the the battlefield that could change the outcome. So I was trying to draw out the counter, and that's why I played it then, not because I thought that I could I could you know I could definitely have waited another turn, but right. then it was going to be too late. So I yeah. felt like I had to do this here and now, and bait the counter. Yeah, because waiting another turn just meant there was a better chance you were going to have a second counter. <laughs> so I tried to bait the counter, didn't get it with Kron, tried to bait it out with the aura, still didn't get it, and then had no choice but to play the big card and just hope that they just didn't have it. Right. And, I mean, we all knew they did. We all knew you guys did, but right. there was nothing that could be done. It had to happen. It, it just, it, it kind of just goes to show that, like, you kind of just need to pay attention when you're playing. Um, especially if you're playing things at instant speed. Yeah. And I've definitely been like, I mean, that wasn't a dig at you. I'm sorry. No, no. Um, there have definitely been uh, games where I've 
been screwed out of pizza because I've just been waiting on these instant speed things. Well, right. And so just just so just so everyone at home understands, um, when we play, most of the magic that we play is at my house, and I regularly will make throw a couple pizzas in the oven for everybody. And at some point, I'll announce that pizza's ready. And that's usually enough to get everybody, other than the person who's actually, whose turn it is, to get up and go get some pizza and come back. <clears throat> the difficulty is that if you're the one who's holding up the instance, when you leave, you, you, don't, you don't get the right to back somebody up back <laughs> through their entire turn. You left. That's the, the assumption is that you got nothing. Yeah. And that you're prepared to deal with whatever it is when you get back. So I was not prepared. I will say I have, um, when we're, when we're playing, I have changed the deck I'm going to play because I haven't brought the pizza out yet Mm. because I knew that I was going to be checking the oven a couple times, putting the pizza in the oven, checking again, going back to get it, going back to make it to slice it and then getting some pizza. Yeah, I knew I was going to be away from the table often enough, so I avoided a deck which was going to involve me spending a lot of time making sure that I can respond to everybody's <laughs> cards. You know, save it for the next game when I knew I could be sitting there the entire time. Yeah, and so. like I think that's the thing too for me is that like you know like I'm not <clears throat> upset that I missed pizza that one time, right? Um, and I think that generally the thing that you have to keep in mind about these games is that like. If you are a part of a regular play group, these games will happen. And mm-hmm. even if you're not, m- there'll be another game. Yeah. And like if you miss your opportunity to do something because you were waiting for them to attack you or whatever, that's fine. There'll be right. another game. Um I've been listening to a lot of Commander Cookout. Mm-hmm. Uh and uh, on their 300th episode, they were talking about how you know certain games are just flash in the pan, like it's just a moment, like mm-hmm. it, like they're 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 fleeting. Um, so like if you have a bad game, there'll be another game. Yeah. Um, and so like it's it's kind of this two 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 sided sword, two double double edged sword. There we go. There we go. It's it's this double edged sword of like oh sure like you want to play out the cards that you have. Um. But also, like, you want to have this communal experience with everybody. Um, and sometimes you get to play the villain, which sometimes is fun. Sometimes that's yep. what you want. But also, like, you need to keep in mind, like, just because it wasn't the perfect time to play said removal, whether it's permanent removal or... Uh, right counter um don't worry about it just learn from it do it better next time or don't and play another game one thing i definitely want to include before we oh before before we wind up yeah because i know we're getting closer to the end here but while we've been pushing the idea of holding your cards till towards the last the last chance to play it if you are somebody like me who I don't play a lot of instants. So a lot of times I don't have a response on somebody else's turn. Maybe it's stuff on the battlefield. Maybe I can, I've can, i got a trigger that I can do or whatever. A lot of times 
when I do have a response, I'll forget to play it. Mm. And I'll let stuff happen. Okay, one, if you're one of those people, pay more attention. Right. Uh, I mean, you, you just, you know, you, you can't be throwing it away like that. Um, but number two, <laughs> if you know that this is the kind of person you are, then, you know, when you do remember and you say to yourself, this is probably not the most optimal time. Well, maybe it is the most optimal time because You'll this forget. is going to be the best time for you to play it of all the times you remember to play it. So, so just do it. So often on my own turn, I'll be like, all right, I'll hold up mana for this instant. And I'm like, all right, that'll be a great thing yeah. to respond with. And then I get to the end of my turn. And I'm like, I didn't hold up any mana. <laughs> like, it's just like I, right. I somehow it left my mind immediately as soon as I, I was like, all right. Right. What am I going to actually do on my turn? Um, or, or I'll have a I'll have a flash creature in hand. Mm-hmm. Be like, perfect. I've held up the four the five mana that I need for it. On that person on 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 Andy's end step, I'm gonna look brilliant. I'm gonna tap my my land. I'm gonna play that flash creature. I'm gonna get the into the battlefield trigger. It's gonna be awesome. And then Andy says go, and I say okay. And I untap and draw my card. <laughs> and then I look at my hand and say, why didn't I do this? I, uh, so, yeah. yeah. And I think in line with that, too, like, there are certain things you want to, like, activate, you know, before your turn. Like, yeah. say, uh, you've got Archer Verasco, where it's, like, tap five and this, draw a card. I'm sure you're tapping six things, whatever. Um, if you aren't the type of person to generally counter something like me mm-hmm. don't hold up the counter man like if you know you're gonna forget to do that to draw a card maybe just do it like when you remember and i mean like don't do that every time like maybe sometimes you do want mm-hmm. to either bluff or hold up like mm-hmm. i don't know heroic intervention type of thing something that's gonna save you um but that's you know you, you've mm-hmm. got cases that you definitely want I, to hold that man up right and other times like arch of araska mm-hmm. since he's defining top mm-hmm. when you've got an activated ability mm-hmm. on the battlefield yeah and you're like okay and you take your dice or your token you put it on top of your library and you just look at everybody and it's like yeah i don't want to forget my arch trigger at the end right right but it's not for the arch trigger it's for the card you've got in hand hmm. all you have to do is remember to look at that stupid that you token. Just lied to them. Yeah. And okay, now I'm going to do that. Right. So when you do that, everybody thinks it's for the arch trigger. They don't know that you're actually reminding yourself to actually do something else, but it makes it easier that way. As oh, opposed absolutely. to putting a token on the card and saying, yeah, it's just for something I have in my hand. Right. That I want to do at the end of the turn. Yeah. So now everybody knows something's coming. They should have a pretty good idea anyway. <laughs> but. Now it's like, it, this is rock solid. Something's happening. So. Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. There's this is a complicated game, Bruce. You bet. You never told me that. I'm four years in now, and it's too late to get out. Well, that's why I didn't tell you right off. That's fair. Um, that's going to do it for us today. We're going to go play a weekend of magic and fun. and uh, Maybe I'll take a nap before everybody shows up. You got ten minutes. Okay. Uh, thank you all so much for listening uh, to Temple of the False Pod where our decks are not optimized 
but our plays sure as heck are fun. Sure as heck are fun. Sure as heck is fun. Sure as sure as heck. Sure as heck are fun. I'm Andy. I'm Bruce. Thank you again for listening. Uh, like, comment, share, subscribe, whatever. I don't know. Uh, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye! Wait, wait. Before you go, I uh, just wanted to say thank you for listening. You can reach out to us via email at falsepodmtg at gmail.com or on Twitter at falsepodmtg. Bruce is at Mana Burned, and I'm at Andy Weekend, though you'll definitely notice I use the podcast Twitter far more often. Now that we've got you here, make sure you subscribe, like, rate us on uh, whatever podcast platform you use. It helps us out. It gets us more reach. Subscribe to us on our YouTube channel. Uh, like a video there. Leave some comments for more casual enjoyment. Thank you so much for listening. We'll be back with some more timeless discussions about all things casual. So come hang out, and may your fifth land be the temple. Bye-bye. Should I do my best, Bruce? Bye!